Hello, welcome to the Life Done Differently podcast with me, Neil Whitten, and my co-host Ray Richards. Join us on our journey to find out what separates the doers from the thinkers. Hello everyone, our guest on today's episode is Liam McGough. Liam is a very polite tree surgeon and storyteller who grew up in Durham in the northeast of England. His mum's impression of a peacock was the only thing that would get him out of the woods and that meant that Liam could climb all sorts of trees and most garage roofs which allowed him to make friends because he was able to reacquaint bulls with their owners, mostly footballs. And a career with trees was pretty much a given. Uh, but it was his consummate ability to, well, I describe it as being himself. Uh, it allowed him to experience something different when he landed himself a spot in Channel 4's Big Brother 8, where he spent 77 days with up to 22 housemates. He earned £30 a day, podiumed, he came third. He also won £100,000 and met some people that he still considers to be good friends today. But life in the five years that followed Big Brother was different again. It was spent making personal appearances, 600 personal appearances, where it seems his only rider was his own creation, his own instant ready vodka and red wine cocktail. Mm. When Liam woke up, and I say he woke up because... He sort of, well, he, he started to realise that this really wasn't uh, good for him. Uh, he wasn't feeling, feeling chirpy like he had been previously. And he decided that it was time to, I guess, give up that life. And, well, certainly for a while when he went back to trees, which um, he's now doing and he's now going to combine well he's basically combining his experience of trees and documentaries and making documentaries about trees which seems to make an awful lot of sense to me I really like Liam uh, I spoke to him a couple of days ago um, he was in Cornwall with his brother and his dad and he sounded he sounded the same as when we spoke to him during this conversation uh, what the thing I like about Liam is his confidence, his confidence and his consideration. He feels afraid, but does it anyway, because he pref didn't doesn't want to be the sort of person that doesn't do stuff. And I like his consideration because he does not trample on people. He seems to take. He seems to notice other people, and I think that's why he's. He, that's why he's done well. That's why he'll do well in his life. Um, anyway, enjoy this episode. Liam McGough from Big Trees to Big Brother and back again. Oh, oh yeah, I should mention that this is in two... Uh, we're doing two episodes because the conversation with Liam went on some time. And it, but it, it's all interesting. I don't think at any point you're going to uh, not enjoy the conversation that, that's going on. He really is... Uh, uh, he's a good storyteller. And so this is, the, this is the first one which sort of takes you up to just as he's about to go into Big Brother. Um, so enjoy. Cheers. Yeah. Okay, should we do this then? Yeah. Uh, Liam, uh, thank you so much for, for, for spending some time with us. That's my pleasure. Um, Thanks for having me. Lee, it's, is it Mac McGough, yeah. McGough. Yep. Liam McGough. Rhymes with a Irish swear heritage. word. That's right. <laughs> Um, how do you describe yourself to people? Um, I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, more often than not, I don't need to. But uh, yeah, I guess um, I describe myself as uh, an arborist, a tree surgeon, business owner, uh, someone who comes from the northeast, somebody who is friendly, polite. Yeah, maybe. And. Uh, so that the arborist thing, because we just had um, a little bit of education from you around um, arboriculture, yeah, and the, and, the, and where that language comes from, arboretum, what that is, and and it was interesting just hearing you talk about just the words attached to this, because you your eyes went wide. It's kind of like yes, yeah. there's 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 real there's some real kind of passion coming through for for your craft there. So so maybe rewind right back to to the, the kind of earliest memories of. Um, 
outdoors nature where, where that kind of comes from as yeah. a starting point so arboriculture and the study of trees uh, <coughs> is a byproduct of uh, a natural ingrained relationship that I have with trees yeah um, and while I haven't spent a lot of time hugging them or <laughs> anything like that, I've always felt a certain affinity with, I guess, the outdoors and trees in particular, climbing in particular. Mm. So when I was a kid, I grew up in Deanery View on a little estate that out the back of my house looks onto a woodland. Um, and that was kind of my area, you know. So when I would go out, we... We're fortunate to grow up in the northeast, didn't have any baddies in those days. Yeah. We were allowed out till whatever time we wanted. Um, the only time that I would come home is if I heard my mom shouting for tea. And some, um, sometimes it would be a peacock from the farm that was close by making a similar sound. So you come <laughs> home and waste a journey. Um, I'm sure your mum would really appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, like yeah a peacock. She, wouldn't be, she wouldn't be happy, but Liam! And <laughs> sounds quite similar. So, um, it's a great peacock. Yeah. So I, yeah, I was very young. I would go into my brother's room. We would call it midnight movies and... We were at opposite ends of the hallway, so when the parents would go to bed, I know this sounds like it's not going to lead to trees, but I promise it will. <laughs> okay. um, at a certain time, he would send word, give me a knock or creak a floorboard or something like that. I would scurry across and we'd play a bit of computer games. And one of the games we liked to do before bed was leave the back door unlocked. I would climb out of his window, jump down into the garden and come back in and I don't know, we might do that a few times, but that would be quieter than going down the stairs and I'd be able to grab some supplies for the midnight <laughs> movies and come back up and climb up the outside back onto it. Well, you know, it wasn't high, maybe six or seven feet or something like that. But I guess if you're five or six years old, it's pretty high. Um, so, so these days, people think that Xbox is dangerous, but actually, if you don't have an Xbox... Yeah, yeah, it was probably more dangerous. I wouldn't say it was the safe, but it was the 80s, so, you know, everybody jumping off... Uh, homemade bike ramps and with rally grifters and things like that so yeah I jumped out and that was just the place that sorry jumping out onto this little woodland was the place that I like to go so I would go out and climb trees and run along the top of all these different I didn't know them at the time but I, I could work out if I was to climb on something dead it would snap and blah 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 anyway Flash forward a couple of years, my brother's six years older than me, Okay. so his friends would come and knock at the door as kites and balls and things were stuck up the tree, and even from a really young age, they would say, oh, is Liam in? Can he come out to play? <laughs> they, did, they didn't want me to come and play, but Just they wanted get, me to climb up, yeah, or show us how you get to the top of a lamppost, get this down <laughs> off the top of the garage roof, climb, 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 you know, and I just, yeah, I guess I was born without... At that time, a fear of heights. I didn't, I just felt very confident climbing. Mm. And so, went off to school, did my school life, didn't really galvanize any of my interest. Wasn't some, I spent more time developing, I guess, personality traits. I yeah. think I used school as a tool to work out how best to manipulate teachers or, <laughs> or you know make friends make people laugh um and at the end of that I was given a choice I didn't I failed all my GCSEs uh and I was given a choice you know either well you know go back to sixth form and do something or or nothing so I went back to sixth form the course that would have me was business studies right. um so I mean, life had been chosen for me. And then I bumped into a friend of mine, little Bob, he's called. And he had an older sister who was going out with a guy called Phil, who's one of my best friends now as well. And he said, oh, I'm at college doing this arboriculture and urban forestry management. Um, so Bob comes up to me, says, I'm hating doing media studies. I want to go and do something different. I'm going to college to learn how to climb trees. And then <laughs> so instantly I thought, and another blag, it's like, oh yeah, I can go to college to do and learn something I literally already know how to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be good at that. So yeah, we went along, skived off college, went along, 
met this guy. He referred to himself, he's called Tony Pinkett, and he referred to himself as LC for Loose Cannon. <laughs> he, had, um, he had photographs on his wall of singing karaoke with Sinn Féin and Gaza and just all of these obscure people. And I remember at the time, like 16, 17, thinking, this guy has lived like an unlikely lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, what is, you know, he's interesting, but I'm also wary of him. Um, but he said, have you got 10 pounds each, lads? So we did. This guy was the guy that was teaching the course. At the it? college, yeah, yeah. Yeah. LC. LC. Um, or TP. He probably chose LC because TP already has a, um, <laughs> you know, a thingy. So he said, uh, do you want to, um, we said, we'd like to join the course. He said, great. You can be in one class each. And we said, no, thanks. Can we be in it together? He said, go on then. Give us £10 each. We give him £10 each. That was the enrollment fee. <laughs> And then we spent the rest of the day in actual class, um, you know, doing the getting to know you, say your name, say a little bit about yourself, blah, blah, blah. And that was that. And and the second that I got there and suddenly was out, you know, today we're going to learn how to drive a tractor. Hold well, on a minute. Yeah, no one told me about yeah, this. This sounds that's, amazing. That's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I felt the same. Um, today, you're going to be using a chainsaw. Today, you're <laughs> going to be climbing a tree with ropes. Today, you're going to be all of these different things. And then, you know, the other lessons that were the staler, I guess more important really, but at the time it didn't feel like that, you know, dendrology and learning Latin nomenclature and yeah. all of this different stuff that... Uh, I would just go around smoking rollies and drinking choco milk and just <laughs> hiding at the back, just breathing in fresh air. So the second I had something that was interesting to me, learning suddenly wasn't such a difficulty. No, right, um, okay. And I had an older audience to try and make laugh. Uh, one On one occasion, um, I had always felt stupid. That's the, the, you know, the most honest point I can make really is, in two parts, I've always felt genius and <laughs> yeah. stupid at the That's same really time, right? So in one sense, I'd think to myself, nobody's ever thought of that before. That's brilliant. <laughs> like, God, I'm amazing. You know, like real ideas of grandeur. And then whenever I came up against something that I found a stumbling block, I'd just palm it off as being, oh, well, that's because I'm stupid. I'm not going to be able to understand that. Um and I think the point that I was making, although I'm not entirely sure, here's, here's a moment of me genius, <laughs> um, is that uh, there was a there was a particular che- uh, teacher called Joe Blench there, um, and he was young, university educated, witty, didn't suffer fools gladly, and in my life was my first real challenge wit for wit, competitively speaking, he was the first person that had ever been able to put back a, an answer smarter than I'd given him. A smart, <laughs> and not, not, I don't mean clever, but I mean like smart mouth. Yeah. He was able to battle with me on an uninformed level and battle with anybody else using things that he knew. And I just felt, I wouldn't even say that he probably liked me, but I, th- I felt like he respected my ability to. Um, he probably did. To he answer probably back. didn't see too many people like that, did he? So. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I like to hope so. Again, he might not even remember who I am, but on this one occasion, um, I surprised myself when I had been weirdly drawn a picture of him. Um, so I was sat with my notes. Uh, we were meant to be writing about uh, compartmentalization of cells in tomato plants or something or other like that and um and i'm sure half of the listeners probably are already dozed off me even explaining that but <laughs> but i felt the same so don't worry um they might be sitting there drawing a picture of yeah you, yeah mm, compartmentalization <laughs> yeah that sounds interesting speak more about that please um or degradation of cell. anyway nonsense so i'm drawing a picture of him and he spots that I haven't been listening. And uh, he said to me, what do you think about that, Liam? And I said, and I looked up at the board and he had drawn snowflakes as, you know, to say like frost conditions or something like that. And I said, 
All this moisture coming up from the ground should push off to the east and accumulate and crystallize to form snow. And he said, Liam, you never failed to astound me. But what he didn't know was that that was from ground, uh, Groundhog Day <laughs> and, that, and that I'd just quoted this tiny little part. I don't even know why I knew it. I'd never seen the film three times in my life. I don't know where it came from, but it came out of my mouth. And I thought to myself that day, don't be nervous. Your, your brain will deal with that. Mm. You know, like, don't prepare for things. Mm. Because when you get to it, it'll happen for you. Yeah. And that was one of the fundamental rules that I, I lived by. Another occasion with him, he, uh, he asked what he'd just said, thinking that I wasn't listening. I thought I wasn't listening. But accidentally, I was able to recite probably up to a minute's worth of the things he'd said, even though I hadn't written any of it down. So it's really, it's really interesting because something that's come up a couple of times in these conversations that we've had is this idea of people trading with different currencies. But when I say currency, I mean like skills or, or some, some, some kind of superpower that they have. Uh-huh. That, and what's, what I've been particularly surprised by is that people have been quite aware that it's been maybe difficult for them to articulate exactly what those skills are, but they've been quite aware that they've got them. Yeah. And you're saying the same thing. It's really fascinating. Yeah. It's like, if I, if I try and play it back to you, what I'm hearing it's it's sort of, it's an ability to be able to um, dance with your behavior um, and, and, and your sort of response in order to um, connect with somebody and in order to um, almost like find... For, for people to find comfort yeah does that sound fair it sounds fair it's, but um it it's difficult to hear you say it yeah, yeah, um, right. I, I think you know my mom was very very posh lady um and my dad's a very working class man so yeah. with with my mom being posh and raising us to have polite manners I've also got Catholic guilt. So when somebody gives you a compliment or what seems like a confident, my instant response is to just suck my head into my shell and be like, that's not me. How dare you accuse me of something positive. But that, so that, so you just touched on um, some, some kind of um, so, something about your upbringing, your parents that probably played a part in who you became. Um, would you say a bit more of like, what you know of that in yourself yeah yeah i would i would i think it it boils down to a, a number of things and one is that my brother is fabulously intelligent a real capable <laughs> academic um somebody who has a memory like nobody you've ever met before in your life is really the smartest person i know anybody knows um but with that, he, like me, doesn't... No, not like me, actually, the opposite of me. He, I think that gives him a certain confidence mm. that he would be able to not try and could literally pass a degree overnight. Mm. You know, he could learn Russian tomorrow. He could, you know, do all of these things. And so in our family, my brother's the smart one. I'm the outgoing one. Mm. An extrovert, really, but the truth is, like feeling a genius and stupid at the same time, if I was honest with myself, I would say I'm most comfortable by myself as an introvert, but I'm frightened to feel like that. So with climbing and things like that, I'm sorry, I'm afraid to be afraid of something. So I would try, I'd rather endure the, the feelings of panic than subscribe to being a particular person who wasn't capable of those things so if i fail at something i'm always desperate to make better of that and so to answer your question my mom is very very intelligent my dad always played himself down because of his working class upbringing but but it's actually fabulously intelligent as well and so in my life i always grew up feeling like i was yeah, the dumb one, the one who wasn't academic. As I got older, I realized that I possess a particular set of talents that just because they're not, I don't know, fabulous at English language or English literature, 
spelling, grammar, and mathematics, although I've had to learn them to, you know, be a consultant arboriculturalist, uh, uh, arborist, sorry. Um, I I, I realized that being practical was um, smarts of sorts. Being able to make people laugh in when they have different senses of humor were 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 smart um but i guess the things that I, I you asked me how i would describe myself at the at the beginning and i suddenly thought oh i don't often describe myself but i would hear people describe me and people say polite all the time really all the time and i'm not trying to give myself a compliment or anything no I'll i'm just you, saying if, if you if someone had asked me after just meeting you, I probably would have said it. Well, so I can relate to yeah. it and completely see where that and goes. And so, so I overhear that, or, you know, and people say that to me a lot. Um, and and that's the one that I'm most aware of. Mm. My dad's a humble man. And as a result, not, not a poor man, he's, you know, he's been a success in his own right. I just mean, he's, he's humble in his personality. And... My mom has a first-class education, and as a result, is has taught me to be a perfect gentleman yeah. in the you know making sure other people are comfortable before yourself. Uh, it it came you, when you're polite, you can get away with quite a lot, though, as well, can't you? You can if you if you're cheeky with it as well. Yeah, right. um, yeah because people know that you're. You have you're, their feelings considered that's at right. least. You have high empathy. Yeah, if that's you've got right. High empathy and low politeness. Yeah, you can get away with an awful lot. Yeah, um, and, and for everybody's benefit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I've been able to uh, to use it to my advantage. Um, sometimes it's backfired on me. Um, I remember as a kid being round at people's houses and you know playing for hours on end cartwheeling and doing scorpion kicks in the garden and you know daft things and then their parents asking me if i wanted a drink and me automatically saying no thank you yeah. even though like I'm, there isn't like Desperate. yeah a drop of liquid in my whole body you know yeah uh, actually just a weird tangent here but uh, i remember being at a friend's house called adam thorburn and uh, i tend to do that i tend to tell people's full names like people are going to accuse me that the story's a lie so it can be background <laughs> checked and i don't know why that is Adam. yeah yeah Talk shout up. out um he uh and again same my mom would say uh oh can i have some sweets or something like that she say, yeah get some money out my purse and i would show her the money like I've, I've always been frightened of being accused of things that i'm not and whether that makes me more suspicious or less suspicious of a person, I've never been able to find out. Mm. Anyway, um, I remember being at his house and really, really hungry and had already turned down the opportunity to have like toad in the hole or something <laughs> delicious. And, uh, and so I instigated, and this is, you know, I'm bearing me salty here, but this is part of my manipulation. Um, the fear is manipulator though <laughs> uh, so i said do you want a game of dares he said yeah 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 i'm up for it normally that would involve us trying to run over a frozen pond or you know i don't know try and ride a bike down off something play the game 999 which you know would result in us getting hurt um <laughs> and i said i dare you to eat a sandwich right that's got Tomato sauce, salad cream, um, brown sauce, vinegar, salt in it. And he was like, and we made it. And he was like, nah, I'm not eating that. You eat it. And I was like, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it. I, the only reason, he was like, should we put, uh, should we put washing up liquid in? I was like, nah. nah. Maybe a bit of cheese though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, two, sorry, just two, two of the quick uh, points that I wanted to make there is, my mom had multiple sclerosis all of my life. My dad was a carer to her. Oh, really? That is absolutely one of the reasons why I'm empathetic towards other people's needs. Yeah. Um, I don't often talk about it, but, you know, if she needed to smack me on the bottom, for example, if I was in trouble, then I might go over to her to make that <laughs> able to happen. Um, and But as a result of her lack of dexterity and things um i was able to make my own food and things early mm. so in a sense i became 
I developed my own style, my culinary style, and <laughs> so that resulted in me making like Such weird. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 so yeah. that would be the stuff that I would eat at home. Oh, I see. Right. A friend. Uh, a friend. I your girlfriend's the one that cooks. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm all right, but uh, but yeah. Back then, oh, if it didn't have corned beef or salad cream in it, I wasn't interested. <laughs> but um, and then and then my dad would make us things. But he he's not a he's a great chef now, but he wasn't a great chef then. We would have a soup surprise, and the surprise was that it would have a, 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 a boiled potato in the every time the same surprise. Um, it's not really a surprise, is it? It wasn't by the you know the fifth year of having them. Yeah. Um, but uh, so he said, um, oh, we went down to a friend's house one time. Again, these tangents, I can't help myself. Uh, no, you keep going. But they said, um, would you like a corned beef and tomato sandwich? I was like, yes. What? Of course I would like one. It's like I've, you finally bought me a Christmas present I yeah, want. It's yeah, that, I'm that like, yeah, I'm like round this person's house. I've summoned up the courage to be able to say yes now. Yeah. Um, and they've brought out a corned beef and wait for it. They've got an actual tomato in there. It's not tomato sauce. So my mind is blown at this stage. That was, you talk about stages in your life where things change for you. I suddenly realized I was, I was feral and the tomato for me was the sauce that came from a bottle. Uh, right. Just okay. coming back a bit, you, you, you earlier, we, we, we almost stumbled into, have you, are you familiar with IQ and EQ? I'm not necessarily... F I know what IQ yeah, is, yeah. right. So, so IQ is quite well understood. It's like, you know, a, a test of people's ability to think laterally and logically and all the rest of intelligence. it. Intelligence. Yeah, it's kind of... In yeah, it's an intelligence test. Um, EQ is emotional intelligence. Uh -huh. And it's really interesting. There's a lot written about this at the moment. I would guess that you've got a very high EQ score. It'd right. be interesting to find out. Yeah. I, I reckon you've probably got quite high IQ You as probably well. have, surprisingly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it, but just the way that you were talking about the difference between you and your brother and, and, and that sort of currency that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting. To, we'll just keep checking in on that. But I think there's probably a correlation there. There's probably something interesting. Yeah. Well, I was also interested in, you said you sort of became the practical member of the family and you sort of became the the funny yeah, the funny well, man. The I mean, family. my brother's very funny. Yeah, they're they're all joke makers and storytellers oh, okay. and things. So I couldn't claim to be the funny one because there would be a competition okay. when I got home. But the practical you know. one, you could. But yeah, no, I, I I guess practical things do come easier to me. Yeah. And do you th do you think they just came easier to you, or do you think you decided to start focusing on that because you weren't able to keep up on the the academic side? Yeah. I think fundamentally, I'm probably quite a lazy person. Right. I, I say that with inverted commas really because I, if there's something that I want to do or obsess over, I don't know another person that would apply the same energy yeah. to it yeah, that yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if growing up there was an easy path, then obviously I would take it. Um, you know, if homework needed to be handed in, I would rather stay up all night developing an intricate excuse <laughs> than I would do it. If, yeah. um, if you didn't, if you didn't enjoy the topic, exactly that. Moment, that. Whereas yeah. if it was something that yeah. spoke to you, then so I, I think that's pr pretty common. A lot of people we've spoken to on this is, podcast. Yeah, there's some really interesting paradigms. That, 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 you know, they work really hard to be lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and again, would I, you know, did I develop those? Or did I work extra hard at being practical because I had put myself in a pigeonhole? I couldn't say that that's the case. I just think that, you know, you need to be able to maintain a chainsaw to work as a tree surgeon. If you can already climb, then you just need to do half of the task <laughs> to be good at the whole task. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, and I guess to be... To be told things I find difficult to understand, yeah. but if I was to watch a YouTube video on something, which is actually, by the way, if there's the biggest, I think Richard Branson or somebody said, uh, just tell people you can do it and learn later, That's right. yeah. then that is me, 100%. And, it, and it, has it always been? Has it been always DNA? been. Yeah. If, if I, and again, I, I said to you guys earlier, sometimes I lie or maybe not lie but i actually probably lie yeah yeah um yeah so i will say uh, i'm going to 
do something or I am something or I want to be something. Act your way, th- uh, act the way you want to be and soon you'll be the way you act. Yeah, yeah. I would say I am this. And in a month's time, nobody could contest that because that month will have been spent with me becoming that. I wouldn't call it a lie, just saying you got the order wrong. That's the, the <laughs> orders. Couldn't be further from right. It's, just, yeah. it's the dyslexic yeah. thing. But I won't celebrate early. You know, I wouldn't celebrate... No, no, until it's done. In fact, I don't tend to celebrate the victories. So I'm not happy until I'm home from an event or a, a night out or a something. You know, I hope this goes well at the beginning. I'm home now. Yeah. That's and everything in between is an act and a and a I've just got to get through this and I hope I perform to the best of my ability and I hope I not not socially because I do I am interested in other people. I just mean that if I've got to go to do the podcast, then I would like to know that when I got home, right, that went well or that didn't mm. go well. Mm. Um but then I won't pat myself on the back because suddenly something else will be niggling away at me. Mm you know, that needs some attention or my interest or so equally, if I fail at something, which I do, you know, as often, more often than other people, because I probably try more things, I won't mope about that for weeks on end. You know, at the end of that night, I'll have been felt very down and then I'll be normal the next day when I wake up. Where does that come from? A resilience uh, comes from knowing that things are worse, you know. Um, not to dwell on it, but I've lost my mom. That's ultimately the worst thing that can possibly happen mm. to anybody. And so, therefore, going to audition for Billy Elliot and not getting the job mm. appeals a huge insignificance. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, no, I'm so gutted that I didn't get something that I haven't gone to college to study mm. to do <laughs> and that would have been a massive flag. Mm. So I'm fine with that. So but it's given you a... Sorry, right. It's, 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 given, it's given you a context. It's, it's like this a thing to hold on yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the things that I find important are small to other people. Yeah. And uh, some of the fi- things that I find big are probably minuscule to other people. So... I, I think like that, the world that I've created, my understanding of this world is probably quite different to the people that I meet. Mm, yeah, and so this is it's going to be really interesting when we get into the next stage of the conversation about what happened with the brush with fame. Yeah. Because I'd imagine that you had a lot of experience meeting all sorts of people that thought very differently about the world and themselves in the world than yeah. you, you do quite naturally. So... But maybe just before we come on to that, um, we got to you studying and finding this passion and love for trees and, and the kind of career that was starting to form there. Yeah. How did that play out? You were also talking about the business study side of things as well. And I know if we fast forward, then, then you know, you've made that. You've made that a reality for yourself. Yeah. So if you just play that back out from where we were. So the, the business studies really had nothing to do with my life at yeah. that stage and really up until much more recently i wouldn't say that i'm even now although i have a business and that's a you know a major part of my life the study of business has not been something that i've ever really given any consideration mm. to that literally was what course will you i haven't gone and found a course i haven't gone and gone to college i haven't signed up i don't have anything what well, please I, I went to you the school yeah. and you gave so, me this so yeah. please can you just help me yeah um and they were like yeah we can give you a business course you don't need any qualifications for that particular yeah. i don't know nvq or whatever it was at the time it doesn't resonate with you because it's like there's no you don't see any obvious way of applying it particularly it was two weeks it. yeah it was two weeks oh i see yeah. right. okay so yeah. it was like on a fast track yeah uh it, it it's it's, it wasn't a fast track course. It was just that I was only there for two weeks it, before I signed on. That's it. right. So my memory of that is I called a teacher, Zoe, um, and got in trouble for that on the really? first day. I've been in trouble on the first day of every <laughs> thing I've ever done, school. And I think it comes out of excitement. I'm probably somebody like somebody with attention deficit or something hyperactive type of person and the first day of 
junior school, I snapped a pencil on somebody straight to the head office, marked my card. Um, the first week of senior school, I was already suspended for three days from a fight that I'd had with one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, in the in the last year of the junior school, Matty Nickel, shout out to another <laughs> full name. Um, and uh, I just get overexcited, yeah. I think the point is. And I, um, the thing is, right, is I, I got in trouble for calling her Zoe. Her name's Dr. Badcock. And I haven't even made a joke about that, right? So, yeah, yeah, but get to the pastoral office. Or why are you here, Liam? You're supposed to be a grown-up. Oh, no, nightmare. Anyway, went to that, did the studying. The first course that I did was a national certificate, and that is, I guess, for the practical people mm -hmm. of this world. Mm -hmm. um, there were... A there was an equestrian center there and, and a rugby and football and um, people studying horticulture and different things. And, uh, and I just had a blast. I just had a great time with one of my best friends. And it was interesting and funny and exciting and all the different things. And then it came to the second year. Do you want to do the second year? This is a national diploma. It's going to get a little bit harder. Uh, yeah, why not? I don't really want to go to work yet, so so why not? Uh, went and did that, enjoyed it. And then the baptism of fire for that particular line of work came when I joined a company called Batson's. And this guy, it's quite difficult to explain, but Tao Law is an area in the country that is as rural as it can possibly be. There's about 25 houses it's all windmills now, really, but, you know, in the winter, it's 10-foot-high snow, and in the summer, it's 2-foot-high snow. It's, <laughs> you know, it's cold, and it's windy, and it's, you know, like being on Dartmouth or something like that. Um, but they have this big company that does the grass-cutting for schools around all over. But I would imagine that they put bread on the table for 95% oh, of the houses yeah, of that right. area. I don't come from that area. Mm. I come from a little bit down the road. And another village called Lanchester that's less, you know, mm. remote. Um, anyway, I joined work there with Phil, the guy who'd introduced, yeah. who was going out with Bob's sister. Yeah, little um, Bob. Little Bob. He was working there, a guy called Dabsy and a, another guy. And we were all as unexperienced as one another, but we were sent out with this huge vehicle and this chipper to, you know, any job, any job in the world. You know, who, whichever job rang, that's the job we were sent to. So we found ourselves felling, you know, 100-foot trees, big, fat monsters. You don't want to get that wrong, do you? And just, but without any experience. Wow. So as a result, we, you know, you could either die or swim, yeah. <laughs> sink or swim. And uh, But I loved that about them, the trust that was put into me. And it, was a, it wasn't a... Did anybody get injured? Yeah, we all got injured, so injured. We all crooked from it. But <laughs> I um, you're gonna say no, it was fine. We we flipped we flipped um <laughs> we flipped things, we spilt things, we dropped things, we smashed things. We used to drive along the fell and the driver would climb out of the driver's window, oh, climb over the roof as the passenger number one would climb into the driver's <laughs> seat, and then we would do a complete circle for as many times loops as we could. Oh, I know. I won't. Make, but Tom Hall, one of our other guests, he did exactly the same. Right. Thing, but not in a tractor. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, that would be all over YouTube, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, yeah. You didn't do it for that we, reason back then. There was no the, reason. The interesting that, thing yeah. about that is that there's something about, um, you know, you you learning your limits mm -hmm. because there isn't there isn't the same safety net around you, you know? Whereas I think, I mean, we could get political about this, but in modern society, there's safety limits everywhere. And, you know, That's what like, Jordan Peterson says, it, isn't it? 12 it, rules of life. He says, it. you know, don't interrupt kids when they're skateboarding. Yeah. You know, or climbing trees. Yeah. yeah, exactly, because that's, yeah. that's how they learn. That's right. You know, Fall if, over, hurt yourself, yeah, yeah. get and, a graze, yeah, yeah, get back up again. And, and, and again, to touch on uh, the Batsons particularly, um, it didn't feel like they were ne be being neglectful towards us, putting us in vulnerable positions. It felt like if you, it was like a generational thing. It felt like they were, they're not because I know them, but it felt like their work ethos was dated. And so, harken back to probably 
40, 50 years earlier mm. when people my age would have been adults. Yeah, and right. 18, 19 would have been sent out to do that work anyway. They would have been going up steeples and chimneys and and all sorts of things they would have been expected to. They would have had families. And, yeah. and so I felt proud that he thought me smart enough to do that. Mm. Then I did feeling like this guy's taking the mick out of me, <laughs> putting me in harm's way. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm eternally grateful for that, and I developed skills from that that I use now. Yeah, I can imagine. And I'm able to teach the guys who work for me techniques that I'm thinking about climbing into the passenger seat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like make sure you hold the driving wheel with your knee first. Yeah, yeah. don't do it on the motorway. Couldn't do it in London. Yeah, couldn't. No. You can't even have a fire here. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so you got you got properly into that line of work, and it sounds like you were you were loving that. Yeah. Um, did w- was it from there that the Big Brother thing came about? So yeah, what what happened was um, I was doing the work, but actually I became quite sick of the work. I didn't. I stopped loving it yeah. because not because I didn't enjoy the the doing of it. It's because friends of mine weren't yet in work. Right, so other people had gone off to uni or gone off That's to do right. other things. That's right, and so they were like, you know, spending days on end eating ice creams and playing this game called Squares we play. It's yeah. like um, a footy game where you've got four people in goals and at the tennis courts and drinking and, you know, sitting in the sunshine with their tops off and chilling. And and I just felt hard done by it. I just, <laughs> I did, I just thought, I know... And this isn't probably an arrogant... I don't know what it sounds like to say. I shouldn't apologize for saying what I feel. But I just... I've, I've felt confident. I look at people's lives. And if I want to be in the same position as them, then I can get away with taking a break. Because yeah. to be unable to pay your bills, you know, isn't difficult. You yeah. know, you can go and... You can go and... You could stop working now for 20 years, be homeless... And then come back and be in the same position as somebody who can't afford to pay their bills, yeah. you know? So uh, I just thought, right, if I'm going to be a tree surgeon, then I best get s- to see some of the world, you know? Mm. So I went off on this little holiday. I, it started out where I went off to Ibiza. I didn't have a ticket, um, and some friends were going to Ibiza. A friend was going with their friends. I wasn't always able to get all of my friends to do the things that I wanted even though I you know if I had me way that's exactly Mm. how I'd live (laughs) my life but rather than like whine at them or cry at them or nag them to do the things I wanted to do I'd just seek out people that were already doing the things that at that time I wanted to do and they were going away to Ibiza there was no ticket I said if I get a flight out you know, can I crash on the floor? I think he suggested it again. I'm polite, so I won't have, <laughs> that would have been too assu- assuming of me. Anyway, so I said, um, yeah, I'd really be up for that. So I went and I stayed on a lilo in the, in his room. And I remember hiding outside, waiting for them to have their open meeting with the club rep and things. And, and then, so, yeah, enjoyed that holiday. Came back home, thirsty for another one. Went out to Tenerife. And when I was in Tenerife, I had a great time, came back, and there was another trip going out to Tenerife, where this time I thought, I'm not coming home. So I went out to Tenerife, we were there a week, we found a place to stay, and me and this guy, Phil Raysbeck, went uh, (laughs) for six months, we stayed in Tenerife, and and I worked at a bar called Blade and Racers. There was an opportunity to be like a a PR or, you know, Pester people to get into bars, oh, but I, I can't stand felt that. uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, again, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't want to do it's that. Not you, Liam, don't do yeah. Um, so I actually was lucky. Here's another thing, because I feel like life sometimes gives you the what you need. And um, this guy Phil and me were, you know, were having a great time. We'd worked at a couple of bars, and I was getting a euro night some nights. But you know, it, it was just terrible. But we would used 50 cents of that to go and get a bottle of wine. We would drink that, and then we would go off to the nightclubs or whatever. We would all chip in. We would buy this, um, you know, worker's price, giant four-pint 
um, vodka and Red Bull, and you, that would cost you one euro, and four people would share. That were ten if there was ten, and we would drink that. And so really, you, you didn't need money while you were no. there. Anyway, we invite. We couldn't. We started to not be able to afford our rent, and um, this guy called Aaron decided that he was going to live with us. Anyway, he turned out to be like a weird guy. I think he was like trying to sell weed and things on the on the front, and he was just. I don't know, something, he was sneaky. That's the best way to describe him. He had a sneaky face and a sneaky way. And we call him Razor. Razorback didn't um, didn't take to him. And it was weird having this sneaky person in your living space. And so one night there, but it was also a bit villainy. They called Tenerife the Rock at that time. And there was I some there was some gangs and mm. things, a way for them to hide away from their areas. And it seemed like he was borrowing money or th- or weed off the people to pay back, but smoking it. And I don't know, some strange things were going on. A girl was getting beaten up from a man called Youssef. Youssef was a villain in the area. I stepped in to prevent her from beating up. She was from Middlesbrough, but that didn't, you know, I didn't do it because she was from Middlesbrough. Um, <laughs> and everybody ran over to drag me away to say, like, don't mess with him. He's a horrible person you'll suffer as a result so uh, i said yeah all right no problem i came away and as i turned around i think Razbeck knew he couldn't do anything about it but wanted to defend me because this person was bringing the troubles into our lives and things and started to have a fight with him so i said phil stop it stop it you know if we're gonna survive here we need to like chill and blah 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 anyway um, as I'd got a hold of Phil to, you know, calm him down, this sneaky kid Aaron had tried to come and take a sneaky punch at him or something, and I give him like, I don't know, like a face palm <laughs> um, into a car. Anyway, I'm not telling you this to see how tough I am. What I'm saying is, this old lady, like, um, like I don't know out of a story or something like that beckons me upstairs she's seen the whole thing and she owns a place called blade and races which is a famous geordie song um and she says i've seen what happened there i thought you've dealt with it really well and you know we'd love to have somebody like you work for us i just want you to escort the people in and out of the bar and just make sure that they're not accosted by the other people or that they don't feel vulnerable around, you know, the other people or whatever. So anyway, as a result of that person giving me this opportunity, I then went on to be the opening um, presenter to this seven-foot comedian drag act and, <laughs> and bingo caller. And I would sing. Um, so you were on the stage? I was on you, the stage, you yeah. You got on the stage. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I would sing karaoke songs and then, you know, to till people got loose enough to sing them themselves, yeah. I guess. Um, What's your go-to number? Um, I, I think at that time, probably there were, uh, I don't know, like Ricky Martin and oh, things like that. They're not yeah. songs that I like. They're just <laughs> the songs that were about pop songs at that time. Yeah. Um, I like Stevie Wonder. But, uh, anyway, so I... Uh, I've suddenly got a little bit of, I was always a show off, so yeah. I can't say that that's suddenly, the reason that I was in Tenerife, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go and be in Tenerife if you weren't a show off. Um, so I thought, oh yeah, then that's brilliant. Enjoyed that, came back, got a job as, uh, I was saving up to go again to a different place. The world was my interest now, traveling. Yeah. So I got a job as, uh, in a call center for Orange, and the reason that I got that job was because a friend's uh, boyfriend was working there. And he was doing five in the evening till one in the morning, which is like my perfect time because yeah. the rest I could be asleep. <laughs> um, and he was getting like 50% shift allowance or something like that. So it was working out that he was getting about, I don't know, 390, 400 pounds a week, wow. which was lots more than a tree surgeon yeah. was getting at the company that I was working for. So I thought, right, I'm on for this here. Anyway, it was it was so easy, you know. I was just talking to people, had to do a little bit about their bills or kind of... In fact, 
telling them that you can't help them the whole time is ultimately what you do when you're at a uh, at a phone. I got in trouble a couple of times uh, while I was there. One was because I was used to a male working environment and so might make joke to me pals next to me that would probably be inappropriate for a... Well, just from for anywhere, really. There yeah. wasn't, you know, outside in the trees. And the other time when I got most in trouble was uh, a lady uh, called up and said, can you help me? My daughter's had a mobile phone stolen from under a pillow uh, at private school. And I said, oh, was it the tooth, uh, the Bluetooth fairy? <laughs> uh, which I thought was that's like, really yeah, good. I thought that was funny. I thought that's going to calm her down. It, she didn't that. have her that's... phone stolen. That's a laugh, isn't it? You know? Turns out it wasn't, was it? Nah. Um, she was pretty upset. Yeah. Do you think it's appropriate to make jokes? Um, I pay this much and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry for trying to be the light of in the dark <laughs> for you. Um, and, but other than that, I had a great time, made friends with some people, used to play this rugby game with another guy over the, over the top from me. And, uh, and then I did quite a sneaky thing at the end where I knew I wanted to leave, but I, they would, they give me an opportunity for promotion. Um, and that would result in three weeks training to get this promotion. Yeah. So. I thought I'll just do the three weeks chilling in a classroom, pretend to be learning, and then just leave at the end of it. So that's exactly what I did, and and I left and and went. So this comes on to Big Brother now, okay. where I auditioned, and I auditioned. Your idea, or somebody else's idea. My idea, yeah. Okay. So you, so how from you must have been. It was the. the I... Hello. Hope you've enjoyed it this far. The next part of this conversation is available as the second instalment. So just check out Liam McGough, Big Trees to Big Brother and back again, part two.